Welcome back to Women Get Lit and today's continuing episode, Utopian Female Bliss, Mrs. Dalloway and Barbie. In this episode, Dagger and I will be continuing our discussions of Mrs. Dalloway, comparing it this time to Barbie and our experience at school. Welcome back. We're continuing Mrs. Dalloway, our discussion and adding a new perspective about men and also the Barbie movie, which I know you've also seen. Yeah. So first question, did your portrayal of masculinity affect your personal view of men in any way? And feel free to answer this question however you like. Okay, well, I think it can be kind of structured as when I read it at school and then versus now and how that comes into my my life today. Because I actually think this book has popped up in my life more than any other book, really. And Wolf's writing in general, if you've read The Bell Jar, that is also quite like poignant I think but obviously not about womanhood just in general so I think with Wolf she does a great portrayal of masculinity playing in with the feminine and how those two interact and our teacher did a very good job at showing how femininity and masculinity can be androgynous in the book which is something I don't think we had been shown before especially like portrayed in a book that you know was written so long ago and the progress that we've had in society now but I think when I read it at first, I thought masculinity was really intrusive. We we always saw Clarissa saying that, you know, she wasn't herself anymore. She didn't have her own identity. She was always tied with the man. And there's this critic, she's called Helen Sisu, and she writes about the fellow logocentric discourse, how a lot of the time the word is focused on the man. And I think this book kind of does that as well. Clarissa isn't a woman in her own right. She has to always be tied in yeah. men. And, you know, even when she's trying to pull away from Peter, she does make the other decision to go with Richard. It's never she's going to be by herself. And even when we have Mrs. Kilman, this androgynous, maybe slightly hyper-masculine idea of a woman, we see a lot of horizontal hostility between them. So Septimus. Septimus is yes, her double um, in the book. She's like not escaping it out at all. And I think in some aspects, the book portrayed masculinity in a negative light that you have to associate yourself with, which I did not enjoy at all when reading that because I I feel like my idea of masculinity when I was younger or in secondary school was that it is quite intrusive, just coming back from my personal family background. You don't need a man to be the head of the household you absolutely don't you can have women like a women women's environment led by women but also men don't have to be this sort of aggressor patriarch in your life they can have this softer more coexisting facet to them so I think there was a bit too much discourse on female psyche being regenerative and which it is absolutely but that doesn't mean that masculinity or male influence is necessarily destructive at all times because mm-hmm. it's not one dimensional you know like we can't reduce yeah cause I think that's like a reductive viewpoint to have of masculinity malehood whatever that they're just kind of this destructive intrusive force that women don't want totally agree with you and that's why I want to talk about Barbie the movie later because I didn't mm-hmm. realize when I first watched Barbie or when I came back to Mrs Dalloway either for this project or for something else I didn't realize the comparisons but as you were mm-hmm. saying as well, even in Barbie, there is that quite, I think, line drawn between men and women. And 
placing of men in one category and placing women in another category and especially the way we were taught it there was that massive focus of women being I guess femininity in general being quite submissive gentle something that can be easily harmed by the masculine yeah just to like interject that when you were saying how femininity could be really easily harmed we did have moments where Lisa was painted as this goddess wielding an umbrella yeah. I think it was even a needle but again those are quite phallic objects why are we yeah playing narrative that we can't have this it was always something to do with her fighting against some sort of male power male force for example with Peter so as you said even when she is presented as this powerful goddess it does have that undertone of her protecting her female psyche against the male aggressor and then with Septimus actually as the double of Clarissa we have this one man who's tied into the slightly penetrate like linked collective with Clarissa but he was seen as a very wounded man from PTSD shell shock and I think it's quite interesting that the only character that kind of overtly suffers and is quite open about it is linked to a woman why Mm. why is that what I mean I think especially because a lot of mental illnesses there's a lot of mentions and links to her prior experiences like the birds talking in Greek references that yeah and you know there's a lot of talk about mental health in this book even when the doctor told her you know she has to lay down and eat some porridge I think that that's something she got told as well the fact that there's a woman who's making this mental health discourse but is also tied to a man who is suffering from shell shock is quite I think maybe not bizarre but it's strange how she hasn't maybe been a bit more radical with that and extended it to Peter yeah yeah fragile masculinity but then I don't necessarily think that that should be like a weak portrayal I agree with you. Now that I think about it, but also when we were reading Mrs. Daly the first time, I think she kind of used Septimus as, he was like an easy way to, I guess, talk about mental health and these issues, just because he's a war veteran, he's suffering from PTSD, he's almost perfect image that she could present, but it is interesting that she links it to a woman, as you said. Obviously, we do see that those images of being doubles and being connected in this almost mystical way supernatural way but I do think she has a stronger connection Peter for example that Wolf explores but she ties it with Septimus instead we even kind of explored the Jungian theory right the anima anima one aspect of you is he needs the masculine and the masculine needs the feminine to exist yeah um, and how like for Clarissa and Peter is like unintegrated so they're seeking it within each yeah, other exactly But it's quite interesting how with Septimus, for example, even though that's not what Clarissa seeks, for example, Mm. she's still linked to him. But through his demise, she's kind of purged of this impending apocalypse that is kind of spiralling in her mind. Which, again, is really interesting how all these male characters versus this one figure. I guess when we first read Mrs. Dalloway, I felt we were taught to think that Peter and Richard are quite these opposites somewhat of masculinity and now when I think about it they're actually not that 
different from each other I remember I felt so I would feel really bad for Peter when we first read the book I was like no he's this harmless man he's heartbroken we should be feeling sorry for him why is everyone hating on him I didn't understand why some of our other friends were like no Peter's horrible he's a man who's intruded on Clarissa and out of nowhere and I guess I didn't really see the underlying violence and the manipulation so I would see Richard and Peter as quite opposites as you were saying I didn't grow up with a man in the house to guide me I was always surrounded by women in the house at school everywhere Mm -hmm. and then I would seek out and then I would see these portrayals of these Peter Walsh's in books, right? And I'd think, oh, well, that's what my mum says a man is. That's what I've been hearing from the women in my life, that they don't meet, need men because men are these cowards and whatever, right? But then there's this psychiatrist called Jordan Peterson. He's quite controversial. But there's one thing I remember listening to what he was saying about the differences between men and women and what they want in relationships and what they seek within one another. And he was giving this discussion about what women find attractive in men and what they subconsciously desire. So he was giving an example of the beauty and the beast and how the beast is this dark, mysterious archetype of dangerous masculinity. But then he tames it within her feminine grace. She's this archetype of femininity, that gentleness, that delicateness. And it's within her feminine grace. She's this archetype of femininity, that gentleness, that delicateness, right? And I started thinking about it and I was like, well, the books I was reading for pleasure, right? When I was like a teenager, mm-hmm. the main male protagonist was this dark, mysterious man that tames his darkness, right? But in real life, I was just like, no, like I need to, I need to hold on to these weak, coward Peter Walsh men. And it was just this crash between reality and in my head. And when I was looking at these questions, I was like, Peter and Richard are really not that opposite to each other. They're portraying a sim- sort of masculinity where Clarissa is this power woman what did you think of Peter and Richard? Do you see them as opposites? I kind of agreed with basically everything you were saying. <laughs> I actually thought that somehow we were taking this poor man who was trying to appeal to Clarissa and she was treating him as if he was this dangerous human being. There are a lot of pointers in the text. I can't, I, I was trying to find this as you were speaking, but I remember putting that in a quote bank where she said something she was Clarissa and he was Peter it was she without him him without her something like that yes with two full stops and I thought okay cool this is very separative we have two different people that are just alone they're not meant to be but at the same time they're kind of mirroring each other works perfectly well in a sentence boom and our teacher didn't seem to agree but whatever we'll we'll move on so at first I, I thought you know, I feel quite sorry for Peter. He failed to get to his dream university. He hasn't been able to achieve his life mission, apparently, which was to get with Clarissa, have this life that he sees she has with Richard. That must be really heartbreaking. However, every single time we do have interactions with Peter, he does actually intrude on her space. He isn't wanted. I think um, that's where the kind of danger of persistence and, you know, how sometimes guys are told, oh, you know, just keep trying. She said no. Like, no, if if someone says no, it means no. And I think that's what we see with Peter is he has a very selfish desire that he can't see impacting Clarissa in a negative way. With Richard, I think Clarissa did choose him, but as we see, she lives a very repressed life. So whilst Peter makes her a bit more tense and emotional, I think Richard kind of dulls that down and They seem to be leading a very separate married life, but he also seems to allow her her own space, which is very important creatively as a woman, just in general, to have your own kind of identity, even if 
you know, legally she was a wife and, you know, had his surname, etc. We do also have to remember that this book was written in a time where certain things weren't socially acceptable. So I think in a way, Richard is the more passive agent rather than, well, I can't really say agent if he's passive, but you know what I mean, like passive embodiment of what Peter is active. Yeah. So I think in that way that it's, but in a way they both oppress her, you know, and she can't really escape either cold, marginalized, aged woman life where she has no passion, that she clearly has to reminisce on her homoerotic moments with Sally, mm. or this intrusive moment, moments with Peter. She can't really escape. So they are kind of the same, the same coin, but with two different faces, I'd say. I don't think she could reject men in a very overt way, just because of the time she was living in. But as you said, I had this father figure in my life, but I rejected that because he just wasn't he was not healthy, toxic, very, you know, abusive. So that's, yeah. again, not something that you really want to kind of accept. And I think, as you said, it's very dangerous when we have these ideas generalized, gen- very general, generally thrown at us young women that, yeah, we want a bit of danger. We want the beast, the beauty. But on the other hand, we should be treated like the most important thing they should be gentlemen you can have passion and you can have it also be loving you can be respected and also have a bit of a challenge to grow with someone you can't force this dangerous toxic ideal onto young women because then they are confused later on in life that I'm not seeking finding the right partner I'm being treated horribly which is of course not her fault don't you think it's it's the same with clarissa she settled for this man who gives her the space gives her the space to grow to be creative we get this other image of you need passion you need that fiery Mm -hmm. dangerous man in your life and clarissa i think some of that in peter because he does even though he intrudes on her space on her psyche there is that excitement there is that supernatural connection between them that i think she finds quite thrilling and then she those memories with sally which are that's her real passion and excitement and i think you know we can correlate that even with um clarissa that being torn between those two opposite extremes and i think it's quite unfair to present men as either one or the other firstly i agree she definitely chooses definitely has a choice and she chooses right the more repressed, lonely kind of lifestyle. It's undoubted that both men love her, just in different ways, but she's still kind of left being a woman who makes her own choices. Yes, she has those memories with Sally. I think in our society as well, we're able to choose more freely. We're able to date. You know, women aren't just courted and then have to marry the person. We have more chances to meet people in real life, etc. But... But you were also saying this before when we were talking, how you said you would seek these dangerous men in these books, etc. right? The same way Peter for, at first seems really alluring. Same way, like, all those books about those very sexy elves just battling the kingdom. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Those kind of books. They seem great because it gives you, like, a little bit of a, oh, my God, there's passion, etc. Because we don't see the kind of softer tones giving that in books and stuff you know what we kind of see them more as weak or maybe a bit lackluster unless you go for the sappy romance for example right but not everyone wants Mm. that 
And then you said you were seeking these bad men and then they treated you badly. And then you would kind of go for the more weak, as you said, men, right? And I agree with you. Unfortunately, however, it ends up most of the time being that when you choose someone who you do not see as maybe as masculine or not as not like masculine, that's the wrong way to say it, but someone who you don't see as being able to provide you with that passion or you don't feel that passion with them just simply, but you're told they treat you nice and you go, okay, this is how I should be treated. Oftentimes I found you end up being their mother and no one's here to mother mother Mm. anyone's sons. You do want someone who treats you well, but also can offer you a, a spot, something unique and a challenge. No one's perfect. I think relationships should be about growth and about giving kind of both a bit of excitement, passion, but not like games. But Clarissa, she wasn't given that opportunity. It was very much like, oh my God, I need to get away from Peter because he's trying to basically marry me right now. Or yeah, I can have Richard. Is the safer option, but at least I'll have a bit of life. And I think she's always going to be torn or she was always torn because neither could offer her her the space like the domain that she wanted whether it was a bit of solitude for one or a bit of passion for the other a bit of womanhood I think she just wanted to express her femininity any way she wanted to and she wasn't able to Mm. but then there are other with Clarissa Clarissa isn't this perfect version of womanhood there are a lot of issues with Definitely. You said a lot in there, and I want to draw our attention to one specific in the book, which I remember touched both of us a lot, and it was the penknife scene. So Peter comes to visit Clarissa, and she's mending her sea green dress, and she's mm-hmm. sewing it back. And suddenly, Peter picks out his penknife, and the word fingering is used. Like he says, fingering his penknife. And I remember mm-hmm. when I read it, and even now, I think it's a really big turn around even if you do have sympathy for him at the beginning because it's just very uncomfortable and mm-hmm. it's this major discomfort that he creates and even though it's you know nothing erotic is happening there is that underlining of violence of assault for me at least between mm-hmm. them two and how you can see how Clarissa gets so uncomfortable and she's hiding her sea green dress and she becomes so distraught and we also like discussed how the image of green and the sea and nature was so interconnected with femininity and fluidity within mm-hmm. Mrs. Dalloway in the novel. And was this critic, Minnow Pinky, who suggested that Peter Walsh's fondling of the penknife suggested his insecurity while Clarissa's mm-hmm. sewing of the dress became the restitching of the hymen, mm-hmm. which Walsh constantly threatens to tear. Mm-hmm. And when I read that quote from the critic, it just it made me so uncomfortable and obviously what it's talking about is violence and about male violence basically and I think the more I read male violence in books in movies just you know had it stimulated around me in my environment the more I internalized it and the more I was just like oh my god everyone wants to attack me every man's gonna hurt me every man is gonna consume and threaten my female psyche and I must at all cost everything is a threat and I even started seeing small things like the thought of pregnancy right became such mm-hmm. an intrusion for me because I was like no that's that man intruding on my body my space that's a man engraving his mark on me which is just absurd because obviously some women can decide to be pregnant and 
authors and that's their choice but for me it became this almost paranoid fear and thoughts that I couldn't get out of my head that every man is against me I guess my question for you is did male violence the way Wolf portrays it did it affect the way you view your relationships and it doesn't necessarily have to be romantic but even just with yourself your own body your friends Mm -hmm. your environment everyone around you I guess it is very disturbing sometimes I think when women are always portrayed as having to sanctify themselves away from men and even the restitching of the hymen Clarissa wasn't always presented in, in these sterile conditions and in, in a kind of frigid way. I've, I've just found a quote as you were saying that. She said, if I had married him, this gaiety would have been mine all day. Now it was all over for her. The sheet was stretched and the bed narrow. She's aware of her sexuality. She's aware of yeah. her bias. In general, the violence that we see that Clarissa has to endure, whether that be her having to isolate herself, her being marginalised by society because she is past the menopausal age, etc. Or even just Peter being very on her all the time. It did make me think that women are just essentially... A lot of the time I see women are more caring and a bit more in tune with their emotions. And I think that's the result of patriarchy. When I used to think of men, I used to think, yeah, much like you, I don't see pregnancy as something positive. I see that something quite, maybe not grotesque, but ugh, uncomfortable to think about. But it wasn't yeah, that actually, threatening. Yeah. It wasn't the baby that scared me or the pregnancy. It would be the fact that there's this man beside me. What are you doing? That kind of didn't sit yeah. right with me. And I, Sometimes a woman needs a more feminine man, right? Sometimes a woman needs a more masculine man, whatever. It's just up to personal preference. But the point is, even if you occupy traditional roles or not traditional roles, as long as there's respect and mutual understanding of boundaries, etc., and there's an ongoing conversation, that threat of masculinity that is so propagated doesn't have to actually have to materialize at all. Now, I'm very much open to motherhood in the future, but that's not been only my kind of work on myself, but also just having a partner who does offer space for me to be able to talk about things like that and feel and express that feel like a woman without being seen as an object, but also seen as desirable, but also not objectified, but also respected and intelligent. I think the whole point is that you want someone who makes you feel all these lovely things and challenges you if you happen to have some really toxic because femininity can be toxic too women can be extremely horrible I think the most horrible to me at any time have been women when I talk about like you know abuse definitely men but but in an everyday sense definitely women Mm -hmm. but I guess horizontal hostility and all I think a lot of root issues in society are because of patriarchy and the way that influences both women and men but we kind of do have to kind of self-reflect as well and see am I making choices that are right for me I just think we should be more aware of like how women and men influence each other so now I want to talk about the Barbie movie also thinking about Mrs. Dallow, linking it to everything. You sent me this t- TikTok and I'm going to read it out loud because it was just like 
a mind blow. Obviously, there's this theme of matriarchy and this utopia and female bliss. And no one is talking about how the Barbie movie perfectly encapsulates the feeling of going to an all-girls high school where all literature is read for a feminist lens and girls dominate every subject. And we had zero concept of boys being better at math or science. And then when we and then when we graduated, we were confronted with the patriarch and shocked at the idea that sexism still existed. Like we literally lived in a feminist utopia and we thought the real world would be exactly the same. Obviously, I'm not saying that going to that school was like a perfect experience. We did have that like sheltering aspect. We weren't exposed to men and boys that much and we were able to have these conversations discussions, but this kind of putting matriarchy on a pedestal a little bit and putting women's relationship with each other on a pedestal of like this perfection which obviously it's not the case as we discussed and the same goes I think with Mrs Dalloway there's that putting Sally on this pedestal that like female connection and interconnectivity is this amazing thing that happens between women and men have no like reason to enter it what did you think of the Barbie movie did you enjoy it what was your opinion of it I didn't like okay maybe controversially maybe not controversially I've had a lot of people say they don't like it and I was when they were saying that I was like what no no surely not as a movie I didn't enjoy it I was kind of waiting for it to end I was like but that's also not to say that I don't think there are valuable like insights in it I think this is something I actually spoke to my boyfriend about yesterday because you know there weren't any groundbreaking feminist theories in it or anything shocking that was said. We know that this world is, well, unfortunately, run by men. Yeah, matriarchy probably would have been great, but at the same time, we don't really know that. There were some matriarchal societies and groups back then as well, but hmm. there was nothing groundbreaking or something that I looked back on and thought, wow, that was really insane or intense that was kind of translated to an audience of maybe 20-year-old girls, as opposed to when I read a book, for example, from a feminist theorist, I kind of valued the fact that women were upheld to be able to be a doctor president and that kind of facet was shown. And also the fact that kind of validating women's childhoods as well, it kind of heals your inner child, just being able to see a Barbie movie that, you know, you too played with Barbies and Barbie is showing us something more than just a princess or stereotypical blonde woman and I'm not saying a matriarchy is good and a patriarchy is good or bad like either of them because they're still putting the other sex down even though matriarchy is usually shown as like maternal etc but it's like women don't just have one case you know you can have women who don't want to be maternal like I don't think Barbie land was utopic Ken didn't even have a place to sleep in he was very much discarded sidelined and he was created just for her and I think we often focus on women's struggles and all of that which is fabulous that is great but men also are losers in a patriarchy I kind of want to pick up on what you said again as this the quote that I told you from TikTok how when we graduated oh my god suddenly discovery of patriarchy that's not to say we were oblivious to patriarchy because like we definitely knew yeah all of these opportunities. But I very much felt like in secondary school, I felt championed, I felt empowered. I was like, yes, I can get into any uni I want to. I can do anything I want to. I can become anyone. 
I feel like people made out Barbie to be this like you know revolutionary movie that's gonna solve different issues women face in patriarchy and it's gonna be like this healing movie. It really annoyed me when someone said, Oh, this movie should be studied in school. And listen, there are great cinematic masterpieces, but is it gonna fix a system that has been implemented in most of the countries in this world? No, it's not gonna overnight change anything. I think it points to issues. I don't think anything was groundbreaking in it. Yeah, women know they have value. Men also know that women know that they have value. They just sometimes don't implore it. But I'm sorry, have you seen Little Women by Greta Gerwig? So the same director, she did Little Women. And Little Women, that like that rendition, is one of my favorite things to rewatch. Oh my goodness me. And there's a it's moment so where... Good. <laughs> it's so good. But there's a moment, and this, this I think is groundbreaking. Sorry, it's getting me excited, but like... There's a moment where Meg and Joe are speaking and Joe wants to be an actress and she wants to kind of live away and she is living in a matriarchal system, right? Because her dad's away at war or I can't remember what the dad's doing. Anyway, she rejects Laurie and that kind of caused me a lot of pain, but whatever. I am also a hopeless romantic, so sometimes I can't speak on things very, you know, objectively. But Meg, she wants to marry and be a housewife, even though she has passions and she's creative and she likes all these, you know, societal conventions. Um... And she says, just because, and I think this is in the movie, I don't think this is in the book, but she says, just because my dreams are different than yours doesn't mean they're unimportant. And oh my God, is that not groundbreaking? We know that women can marry or be housewives or whatever, or or go and get a job, career, everything. But a lot of the times there is this discourse, women who dress up and, you know, wear red lipstick and, you know, kind of, are very seductive that they're like anti-feminist because they're playing into the stereotypical roles of like the seductress temptress whatever or for example if the mother's just a stay-at-home mom we're often like you should have a career he probably keeps you at home blah 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 and it's like no actually every woman's decision is viable because the whole point of feminism is that you have choice and your choice is your choice alone and no one has anything to say about it or to comment about it everyone should just mind their business honestly whereas i think on the opposite side in the barbie barbie movie there was a lot of different barbies a lot of the barbies were just portrayed as really strong women and it's like those aren't the only options you don't have to graduate to be a doctor that's a really high standard to set president doctor like lawyer that's all great you can do all those things if you want to you don't have to want them though like you can want something different and that's okay you want to travel go travel you want to have have a family have a family you want to cook cook like who actually cares just go be you don't shame women because they want to have a child don't shame women because they don't want to have a boyfriend don't shame women if they do want to have a boyfriend don't shame women if they want to have you know if they want to date like we are so different as people that we should just fight for equal rights equal opportunities that's what matters most and choice choice is like the underlying thing the barbie movie she did put in a lot of feminist assertions that I think were put in a very eloquent way. And the movie even starts off with like the whole, you know, all of the women saying something very women empowering. But Barbie has also been like a controversial topic because she has for for a long time been portrayed as this one stereotype of a woman. And finally that's being broken. Like where does that even come from? But I always loved playing with baby dolls. I used to have this buggy and be like walking around with a buggy. Exactly. Like who teaches, who teaches Young girls to be like, yes, I want to be a mother. Play mum. Play mums and dads. But I think, again, it's quite hard to be groundbreaking now because 
you are kind of already in a place where feminism is an established movement? I felt like mm-hmm. they tried to switch the way so for example patriarchy women are infantilized women are being treated badly but they really took it I feel like an extreme in the way they presented the Kens in the Barbie world I think there's some valuable points to take away from it Ken, like but it wasn't like I don't think it should be studied at school at all there's so many feminist theory books that you can just learn from that and not even just feminist theory, just reading other books. Oh, The World's Wife by Carol Ann Duffy. Gorgeous, gorgeous book mm. of poetry. Great. It was amazing, as always. And I loved how much we were able to feel like inter- interject more and like yeah. get more analysis of what we were talking about in the previous episode. So that's great. Thank you for listening to another episode of Women Get Lit. In the next episode, I'll be speaking to a male academic about reading women in 19th century Gothic literature. How should we discuss violence against women? Should we be reading about it?